Good morning. It is my absolute joy and privilege to welcome you on this Easter Sunday, although be it virtually. Um, it is my joy to announce to everyone that is within the sound of my voice that Jesus Christ is alive. And even though we can't gather virtually, I say to you, He is risen, and all God's people say, He's risen indeed. We are here this morning to celebrate the historical reality that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And His resurrection is the defining moment of all of human history. This is one event that it is impossible to overhype, right? I mean, we can't undersell the resurrection, but we can't overhype it. This is good news for the entire world. This is the issue on which the church stands or falls. This is the issue that holds us all together in times that are uncertain. This is the truth that Jesus Christ has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that means that right now, because He's been raised from the dead, that God has accepted His payment for all of our sins. That means there's infinite mercy for all of the sins of the world and for all of our sins in particular. And that's reason for us to rejoice. God wants us in the midst of all of this to be people that are anchored and rooted in hope. There are new mercies for all of God's people. There's new mercies for everyone that would place their faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a hope that our world needs more than ever right now. Right? Our world right now is steeped in a story of sickness and death and despair and doubt. And uh, a pastor friend of mine, Alan Scott, says this. He says that the story that you live in determines the story that you live out. And so we are in a world right now that's living out this story of fear. It's living out this story of anxiety, and also it's living out a story of grief. This week I came across an article from the Harvard Business Review, and it's an interview with David Keeler, who along with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross became one of the world's foremost experts on grief, Um, and it's an article entitled, um, That Feeling That You Are Experiencing Is Grief. Most of us are familiar with the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, sadness, and acceptance. But he takes that and tries to apply it to this pandemic and all the things that we're walking through. So let this inform some of the feelings that you may have had over the last several weeks. He says, we're feeling a number of different griefs. We feel the world has changed, and it has. We know this is temporary, but it doesn't feel that way. We realize that things will be different, just as going to the airport is forever different now as it was before 9-11. Things will change, and this is the point at which they changed. The loss of normalcy, the fear of economic toil, the loss of connection. This is hitting us, and we're grieving. Can you identify with that? Collectively, we're not used to this kind of collective grief in the air, and I think that's what we're all experiencing And he goes on to say, understanding the stages of grief is a start, but whenever I talk about the stages of grief, I have to remind people that the stages aren't necessarily linear and they may not happen in this order. It's not a map, but it provides some scaffolding for this unknown world. There's denial, which we say a lot, a lot of us said this early on, this virus won't affect us. Then there's anger. You're making me stay home and you're taking away all of my activities. And all of my kids at home said, amen. 
right? There's bargaining. Okay, if I social distance for two weeks, everything will be better. There's sadness. I don't know when this is going to end. And finally, there's acceptance. This is happening. I have to figure out how to proceed. But then the article concludes with this, and I think it's brilliant. And this is what the world is grappling with. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's family has given me permission to add a sixth stage to grief. Meaning, I have talked to Elizabeth quite a bit about what came after acceptance. I did not want to stop at acceptance when I experienced some personal grief. I wanted meaning. In those darkest hours, I do believe we find light in those times. So we have a world that's simultaneously experiencing grief. We are in a world that's looking for answers and looking for meaning. And there is no meaning apart from Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It is His victory on the cross and His resurrection that brings meaning to the story. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, have a chance to live in and live out a better story. Not only does God call us to celebrate Easter as a story, it's a story that we're meant to live in. We are meant to become Easter people where the hope of Jesus Christ being alive buoys us in this world of uncertainty and in this world of grief. It's not as if we will not be affected by other narratives that are out there because, listen, we are all captive to the news cycle right now. What we're going to come back to is the story that we live in. So the Easter story that we get to celebrate that Jesus is alive means that the conversation can change from death to life, from sickness to healing. That changes the conversation from economic loss and instability to a kingdom that will not end. It's a conversation that changes from fear and anxiety and worry to peace without end because Jesus is alive. That is the substance of our hope as people. We place all of our faith in what Jesus has done and accomplished on our behalf, but I thought it would be important on this Easter Sunday to point us all the way to the end of the story where we actually put some skin on what our hope is. Jesus is our hope, but he's actually taking us into a future that's better than any of us can ever imagine. And understanding the end of the story is going to help us to live right now in the middle of all of our stories. So Revelation chapter 21, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice, and I hope you hear this voice. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
This is where all of our faith and all of our hope is pointed. We can anchor our lives in this story. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I pray that wherever anyone is right now, that you would begin to bring comfort and healing to our stories because Jesus is alive. I pray that this truth would not just be a, um, some abstract truth that I'm talking about, but it would become the anchoring reality of our lives, that it would change the way that we live out life in this pandemic, that we would become Easter people of hope. To do that, we need you to send your spirit to help us to pay attention, um, even with kids running around, even with all kinds of activities happening right now. We ask that you would anchor us in the, in the reality of your presence. We welcome you to speak into the intimate details of our lives. We ask right now that you would bring salvation to all of us, both now and forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just read five verses to us all. And these five verses are just a glimpse, but they are glorious. They have the potential to change everything for us as the people of God. These five short verses give us perspective on where all of human history is pointed. And the first thing that I want to unpack for us in our time is that the resurrection is the beginning of the healing of all creation. The resurrection is the beginning of the healing of all creation. Every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And um, if all good storytellers, the greater the difficulty in the middle of the story, the greater the resolution at the end. And God is one of those kind and loving things of Him that He gives us the end of the story so that we can live faithfully in the middle of the story. Now, I don't know if you have like a favorite movie that you like. It could be a comedy. It could be a drama. If you've seen it a number of times and you know where the story is headed, it helps you to appreciate all along the way the little nuances that make the story beautiful and brilliant. And that's why God wants us in the midst of this pandemic and in the midst of uncertainty is to know the end from the beginning so that as we walk out life in this present age that we would be filled with faith that this would fuel our endurance that this would give us hope that not only would anchor us but it's a hope that would transform the world I love this quote from N.T. Wright in his book Surprised by Hope he says this he says the resurrection of Jesus offers itself not as a very odd event within the world as it is but as utterly characteristic prototypical and foundational event within the world as it has begun to be. It's not an absurd event within the old world, but is the symbol and the starting point of a new world. And that's why we have every reason to be optimistic, even in the midst of grief, is because the whole new world has begun through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says there was a voice saying in verse 5 that, Behold, I am making all things new. There is no better news in the universe than God is right now, through Jesus Christ, giving people new life, new hope, new hearts, new power, and all of those things are possible because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And what I love about this is, is as you do a little bit of study about God making all things new, it's not as if He just scraps everything that's old. 
You know, it's not like our iPhones when the screen breaks, we just get rid of it, right? No, he makes all things new. I love the show American Pickers. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it, and it's probably because um, my family ran uh, kind of a used furniture store when I was, uh, you know, in my earlier years. And I just love the fact that, that one man's trash becomes another man's treasure. And there's this one guy, he's just really into Indian motorcycles, and, I mean, he can go out into, like, the hills of Tennessee, and it could be all, like, full of weeds, and he can spot an Indian motorcycle from a mile away. And he'll go in there, and he'll just, you know, pull it out of the weeds, and he'll offer the guy 50 bucks for it, and then he'll take it to, to a restorer. And, I mean, you know, by the end of the episode, I mean, the thing's worth $30,000, and it's amazing. And I was thinking about that when I was reading Revelation chapter 21, because oftentimes we feel like that old Indian motorcycle. Like, we feel rusty, we feel defeated, we feel beat up. And and God says, I see the value, right, in where you are right now. And you don't have to be discouraged by where you are or how you've responded in the midst of this pandemic. The truth is that God is in the process right now of making all things new. He's making you and I new. And what that also means for us, that if God's making us new, and we know the end of the story, is that He knows what He's doing in the middle of the story, right? Everything that we're walking through, God doesn't waste. Even though there are tons of things that all of us are walking through that none of us would have chosen for ourselves, He knows what it's like to take something that seems like it's a mess and it's broken and to make it into something beautiful. It also means that He's committed to finishing the good work that He started in you. If Easter means anything, it means you're going to make it, right? That this new world that He has created for us, that you are going to make it to the end. That's what Easter is all about. And, and maybe you're just tuning in, like, you know, online, and you've never really experienced that kind of love and that kind of infe- affection. What Easter is about is saying, listen, there is no one that is too far gone. There is no story that's too broken that Jesus can't come in and redeem. And he's offering you life right now through his son for everyone that will believe. Simply cast your lot on Jesus and the fact that he's alive and you get to live in this story. You get to experience new life and hope right now. Listen, and I love this, verse 4. This is, this is a verse that captivates my attention. It says, verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and death will be no more. Neither, will there be, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. We live in a world that's shrouded in death right now. The conversation around death, death tolls daily on the television. It is inescapable. And the only thing that can turn the conversation and bring hope to a world that's steeped in death is one that's greater than death. One that can change the conversation from death to resurrection. And there's life promise to everyone that believes. His resurrection guarantees the resurrection of everyone that places their faith in Jesus. His resurrection 
resurrection is the down payment on our own resurrection. We can have hope in the midst of that. It says the former things have passed away. And I'm looking forward to this day more than ever. Where there will be no more sickness, no more cancer, no more autoimmune diseases, no more pandemics, no more depression, no more fear, no more anxiety, no more loss, no more lies to believe about the goodness of God because we will get to see it and experience and taste it forever. God is in the process right now of making all things new. And what that means, quite honestly and frankly, is that He's declaring war on everything that's old. He's declaring war on the sin that holds us back. He's declaring war on sickness and death. And and God promises in the midst of all of those things, I'm either going to bring healing on that final day, or through my people, I'm going to bring healing right now. This is meant to give us faith to live in the midst of, of the story. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says this. He says, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This, what we're walking through right now, is preparing us to walk in glory. I love the phrase that He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This means... For every person, personally and specifically, the God of the universe will wipe away every tear from your eyes. That means he will heal every sorrow personally. That means he will redeem every storyline in your life forever. And that helps us in the midst of the story to grieve well. That means that because God is going to wipe away our tears one day, that doesn't mean we have to kind of stoically walk through this world and pretend like everything's happy, slappy, and fine. No, the world is grieving. The world is dying. But we can exist as people of hope. Listen to this quote from Pete Hughes in his book, All Things New. He says, Every human heart that has ever lived has experienced grief. Making the choice to worship in the middle of that pain has the power to transform it into something life-giving and beautiful. The tears will be cried either way. The choice we have is whether to pour them out on the feet of Jesus or not. So, the invitation from the Savior this morning is to not hold back your tears, but to pour them out on the feet of Jesus and anticipate the day that He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. I also love this because there is a day when He's going to finally and fully, it's called the unveiling of the sons and daughters of God, where you're finally and fully going to become who God has created you to be. There'll be no more shame. There'll be no more pride to keep you away from God. There'll be no more boredom, right? I mean, there will be only um, just this reality that we will be in the presence of God forever. And if you feel like you were created to write, then you will write to the glory of God. If you feel like you were created to sing, regardless of what your voice sounds like right now, because I think that's what I'm created for, is to sing, right? But it's, it's going to be a day when I can do that with, with full abandon. God's going to give us new experiences. And He wants to give us a foretaste of what that's like right now. That He is going to make us new. And then, just as I was praying this morning, this changes how we love one another, right? Because there's, if we can get a picture of who God is making those around us, 
um, in our family units, which, you know, it's close quarters right now and it's getting difficult. It's, it may be a little fuzzy that everyone is going to be made new. Um, but if we can get a glimpse of that, of our spouses and of our children and of our neighbors, it actually helps us to begin to love them into the person that God's created them to be. And we get to love our city because being Easter people means that we are familiar with the story of God. It also means that we are familiar with the stories of those around us and we join in with God in what he's already doing in the world. Pete Hughes also says this in his book, All Things New. He says, why does this matter? Because God has placed you as an instrument of restoration exactly where you are. To follow the way of Jesus and to, is to do what he did. He entered time and space. He died and he rose again to bring the renewal and the redemption to people and places. He invites us to follow his way. Where you live and work matter. The story of your city matters. The story of your community matters. Because the hope for your city and community is found in being introduced and immersed in the story of God. And God has perfectly positioned you to bring those two stories together. Right. So God is in the process of allowing us to live in his story so we can live out his story towards the world as people of hope. And um, I, rem- I just did a little social media post. I joined with uh, tens of thousands of people around the world right now that hashtag Jesus changed my life, right? And I would encourage you on this Easter Sunday to just look up that hashtag and watch a, a few clips of random strangers because God is in the business of changing and saving people. This pandemic does not stop what God is about. And I, I believe that this Easter in particular has a chance to change things in a way that it never has, that God is offering new life. And so if you read through that hashtag, Jesus changed my life, take, take a minute or two minutes just to share your story. I I was thinking and praying about the people that would watch my story. There are people in my hometown um, that have no idea what happened to that crazy kid, you know, that left home at 18 and joined the Navy. And I I pray that they experience something of the grace of God through my story. And Jesus is still in the business of changing lives. I'm going to close, and this is going to be brief, but I I also want to encourage us that the resurrection is the guarantee that God will lead us home. Listen to verses 1 through 3 with me. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And the sea is a picture of the chaos and the uncertainty of the world. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. I love this, that this guarantees that we will make it home. I don't know if you, um, it says in there that the city, New Jerusalem, I've been captured by this image, comes down as a bride prepared for her husband. And I've had the privilege of experiencing my own wedding and a number of weddings. And there just is no detail on the wedding day that could be overlooked. And um, God has been preparing a place for us. In the back of my mind as I'm reading this, I'm also thinking of John chapter 14, where Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's saying goodbye. This is what he says to his followers. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God but believe also in me. In my Father's house 
are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place and the emphasis is on you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. How comforting to think that we don't live a disembodied faith. That there is actually a place where the dwelling place of God becomes with man. Where his presence becomes our greatest comfort and our greatest good. This means knowing the end of the story that we are going to make it home. No matter how lost we may feel in the middle of the story. I want to close with this story um, just of my son Landon who is 16 now, and would, if he weren't physically present with me, would probably be embarrassed by this story. So it's, um, it's become a, a, a running joke in my household that um, we forget our kids a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, as they've gotten older, I mean, you know, Jen and I drive separate places in different ways, and um, yeah, it's been more than one time that someone has said, hey, you left your kid at my house, or a restaurant has had to call and say, hey, could you come back and get your kids? Um, so as they're older, that's funny, and we can laugh about that. They kind of are just conditioned that way now. But when they were little, it was a different story. And I remember one time in particular, we were, uh, I believe we lived in Atlanta, and we were in this huge mall, and Landon is very inquisitive, even as a, as a young child, and so he could just kind of get lost and wander around. And uh, we walked a few stores ahead, maybe, maybe even two or three minutes down the mall. And I remember looking to my side and realizing, because we had a couple in a stroller, and I, I don't know, we, we just couldn't find Landon. And I said, I know he's back at the last store. And I, at that moment, I saw the store that we were at, and I saw the salesperson, and they were comforting Landon. And my heart as a father absolutely broke. And it wasn't because I was scared for him, but it was because he didn't know that I could still see him and he didn't know that I was on the way and that I was going to keep him safe. And the end of the story is meant to function like that for us. Our father never takes his eyes off of it, even though it may seem that we're lost in the middle of the story. He is preparing a place for us. He will keep us and take us home. So this Easter Sunday morning, if you are fear, experiencing a, a lack of assurance, rest in the fact not of your own performance, but of the performance of one that laid his life down and one that has been raised from the dead. And let that bring you comfort that he's going to bring you home. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that... You give us the end from the beginning. We need it so much more than we even can be honest with ourselves at times because that can seem distant and remote and what's in the middle of the story seems prevalent and real. I pray that the end of the story would become the dominant story that we live in, that we could offer hope to each other and hope to our city. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. take communion again and so uh, give you a moment to go get the elements if you haven't already but um, just praying through how to uh, do that this morning and what the appropriate um, 
response to an Easter like this would be. And um, Chad read from uh, John 14, and uh, what came to mind was John 13, where uh, they're in the upper room, and Jesus is uh, uh, about to wash the feet of his disciples, and he's going through uh, the, the disciples, and he gets to uh, Peter, who I can relate to often, because he typically talks before he thinks, and uh, he tries to stop Jesus. Jesus, you shouldn't be washing my feet, and, he's, and Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you don't have a share with me, and so, of course, Peter, in full, all-out fashion, says, all right, then cover me, you know, my head, my body, everything, and so, in this uh, communion, in this rhythm that we do as a church, there's so many facets to how you can celebrate communion. We can look at it from the sense of we are uh, broken and undeserving, but uh, because of Jesus' body being broken for us, we are made whole in him. Uh, but you can focus on the brokenness side of who we are, but this morning, this is Easter, and so Let's talk about the celebrating part of it. The Revelations 21 where we know the end of the story part of it. And so as we take this, take your bread, and we're able to remember that, yes, this is a broken situation that we are in. This is a broken world that we in, but it didn't end there. There's the story where the women show up to clean a dead body to prepare it to rest forever, and it's not there. They're met with an angel who says, what are you doing looking for someone who is alive among the dead? And he sends them away to go tell the world, and we're still talking about that this morning. And so this morning, this bread that you're able to celebrate, this is Jesus who broke his body for you. And when you take this and eat, we're able to remember that he didn't stay broken and all things have been made new in him. And then, of course, uh, there's the blood. I can't help but put myself in the shoes of Peter in that room. Jesus, wash me head to toe. If I have to be washed to share in just a bit of you, then I want to go all in. Good Friday is not good without Easter. So, yes, Jesus died. There is a body that was buried. There was blood that was poured out. But Jesus poured it out to cover us. The way I think of it, we've been going through uh, the, a lot of the Old Testament and... and um, the theology course and kings had to be anointed with oil they had to be covered uh there's a whole there's chapters upon chapters of how a priest had to be set apart and anointed with oil before he was commissioned to serve God's people as a priest and in a real way this is Jesus's anointing of his people not just with oil or not with uh some little substance, but with his blood that covers us head to toe, not just on the outside, but inside with his new life and his new being. Uh, one of 
the things you hear throughout the Old Testament is life is in the blood. That is so opposed to what we think of right now in our culture. We think of everything, you can see all the horrible things going on, and there's no story where death leads to life except for this one. And so it's no wonder that our friends, when they see Christians excited or they see us get excited about things like Easter in the middle of a global pandemic might think that we're nuts. And so that's why things like Alpha and things like uh, uh, having real conversations with your friends, that's why we're supposed to be the picture of restoration in the places that we've been. It's because we are living with the end of the story in mind. That That is crazy. If it's not true, it is crazy. And so in this drink, we as the people of God get to toast Jesus for his work. That it didn't end on the cross. It doesn't end with our sickness. It doesn't end with our brokenness. And it doesn't end with our pain. But this is the beginning of a new story where we are now Easter people. And we get to celebrate in a Jesus who came, he left perfection, He came and entered into brokenness, and he's putting it all together. And in this, he's covering us with his forgiveness and his victory. And so we get to reign as his people. Let me pray, and then Aaron will lead us to one more song as we close. Father, thank you for seeing us. Thank you for seeing us in our grief. And giving us comfort when we need it. But I thank you that you've given us the end of the story. I pray, God, help us remind each other, help us remind this world, let this be our hope that this is not the end of the story, that Jesus risen, that a new heaven and a new earth, everything that we see right now is going to be made new. All the things that our hope has been in is going to be washed away. Right now where everything that we felt confident in There's one thing left, and it's Jesus crucified and risen from the dead. And that he's coming back to usher in a new kingdom. I thank you that we don't get left behind. I thank you that you didn't want this kingdom without us. And I thank you that you made a way for us to be with you forever. And I pray right now, more than anything, that we get to experience that presence with you right now. I thank you that the end of the story changes right now where we are in the story. When we don't believe it, I pray that your voice will be louder than our fears. I thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our time, as we close our time this morning, um, I'm just going to sing one more song. Then we're going to have our benediction. This is an old hymn I always think of on Easter. So with your family where you are, just sing this together. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. 
Thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for your cross and the empty tomb and the risen Savior. We worship you and we ask that you would just give us your strength. Father, speak. For those that are listening that have never experienced your love, Father, I pray that you would um, just bring them to yourself, that they would uh, just receive you as as their Savior today, that they would reach out to someone and talk with someone just pray for all of us who are afraid and who are just looking to the future with uncertainty that we that you would help us and just instill those words that because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know that he holds the future that life is worth the living just because he lives so I pray that that would be a real thing in our hearts this morning and today father send us out to be salt and light to our city in your name Amen. As we go, we're going to have our benediction. So if you're at home, um, won't you just raise your hands and won't you say this with me off the screen? The word should be right below. May we, the church, go out and be to our city people who love others as our highest calling. May we break down barriers of division because all people matter to God. May we trust his grace in our lives and freely give it to others, for it's only through grace we can change. May we use the gifts and skills God has given us to magnify his beauty and wonder in our church and our city. And may we live as a part of God's story as his gospel is making all things new. Amen. Happy Easter.